Merry Christmas! What would Christmas be without a Christmas story? So, all the kids in the room today, you have special permission, today only, to stand up, and you can stand on the chairs. Now, if you're really short and an adult, like me, you can stand on your chair, too, if you can't see. But all the kids can stand on the chairs. Go ahead. We've got this story for you. Once upon a time, a family gathered around the Christmas tree, and they looked at those perfectly wrapped Christmas presents that they were about to open. Now, there was Jackson and Katie. Now, Jackson was so excited, he was jumping around like a nut. And, and Katie was shaking each and every present, hoping to kind of get a, a glimpse of what might be in each and every one of them. Well, it was time for Mom and Dad to give the okay for them to open up the first gift. Jackson tore into that gift like it was a wildfire party. He got in there. He was excited. He opened that gift up, and he found a pair of socks. <laughs> Katie did the same thing. Now, they needed the socks, but they weren't quite excited about them. It was time to open up the second gift, and they tore into that one, too. They couldn't wait to see what that second gift was. Jackson found a little plastic toy car, and Katie found a notebook she needed for school. What a letdown. <laughs> but that's okay. They turned to their mom and dad and said, thank you for the gifts. Now it's time for them to open up the third and final gift. Well, Jackson, he wasn't really enthused about opening this one because the other two had kind of let him down. So he started opening it up, and all of a sudden, you heard the biggest shriek ever. Ah! An Xbox 360! He took that box, he ran up to his room right past his mom and dad to hook it up. Now, Katie couldn't wait to see what her gift was. She opened that gift up, and she too let out the biggest scream. An American Girl doll! She took that doll, wrapped it close to her chest, ran right past her mom and dad, right up to her room. Now, even though Jackson and Katie received something that they were excited about and they loved, they forgot to do something that a lot of us do. We forget to thank God for sending the most important gift of all, his son. This year, let's not get so excited about the tree, the tinsel, the packages, the eggnog. <laughs> Let's not get that excited about those things that we forget to thank God for sending his son. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming to set us free. Thank you for giving us the peace and the joy that we didn't even deserve. Thank you, Jesus, for coming for us. Happy birthday, Jesus. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Let's give a big round of applause for all these kids here at River Valley. Oh, it's great to have the kids in here and focusing on the true meaning of Christmas. It's kind of sad when you realize people are forgetting it. 
Uh, did you see that people were fighting over Air Jordan shoes and all that stuff? It's, it's sad, so let's not miss the real meaning of Christmas. Uh, last weekend, we talked about a very merry global Christmas, and if you missed it, we talked about uh, really Christmas is all about the fact that we have a sending God. He sent his son to this earth so that we could have forgiveness of sins. Um, he sent angels to announce it. He sent the shepherds to go worship Jesus. When Jesus was here, he said, as I've been sent, I send you. And when he went to heaven, he said, I'll send the Holy Spirit. We serve a sending God, and Christmas really is a sending holiday that we remember. And uh, to continue on that course, I was thinking about who was sent the furthest. I mean, think about it. The wise men, uh, the magi, they were sent the longest distance. So we're going to talk about them in just a minute. But if there's anyone here in our service, uh, here or in the overflow room, and thank you for being in the overflow room, that's where we do our softer service experience. For those of you that are wondering, if it's ever too loud in the main auditorium, we have a, a softer service experience on Sunday mornings where people can go into the lounge. It's actually a pretty nice place, but they're there. Thank you for watching. But if you're here and you're from another country, another country, would you raise your hand? You're visiting from out of this nation, and you've come here for Christmas to visit friends or family. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Is there anyone in this service that uh, is from another country? All right. You're from another country? Where are you from? Romania? All right. Let's give it up. Thank you for Romania. Excellent. And for our friend from Romania, because you have traveled so far, we have a River Valley CD with the Christmas EP, the little bundle there. It's our gift to you. The rest of you have to pay, all right? <laughs> You're out there in the lobby. Uh, and if anyone in the overflow room is from any country, if there's 10 of you from another country, you all get a CD because you're in the overflow room, all right? If you're from another country, not like, well, I was once Norwegian. No, no, that doesn't count. All right. All right, we pick up our story in Matthew chapter 2. It's the story of Jesus' birth, and we see these guys known as the wise men, known as the magi, and we're going to see a little bit about them and learn a little bit about our heart of God and learn about worshiping Jesus. It says this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Skipping down to verse 10. It says, when they saw the star, this is talking to them about the Magi, it says, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, when they saw the child with his mother Mary, they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now I want to point out, these guys were wise men, they probably weren't kings, and they probably weren't from the Orient. They were probably from the area of Iran or Iraq, uh, Persian. 
And uh, I know we have the song, We Three Kings of Orient. How many know that song, right? You know, it's wrong, okay? I hate to burst your bubble, but it's wrong. There might have been more than three. It could have been a whole bunch of them. And they're not really kings. They're probably more like kingmakers, wise men. They were rich. They were really rich. They were one percenters, if you will. Okay, they were, yeah, you're, some of you guys got that. You're like, all right, I'm with you. They were rich. But more than that, they were magicians. That's where we get the term magician from, magi. They were astrologers. Okay, they looked at the stars. They were pagans. They were not people. I want you to catch this. They were not people that should be at the birth of Jesus. If you're a Lord of the Rings fan, they were like Gandalf. Can you imagine Gandalf at the nativity scene? I mean, okay, are you getting the picture with me, okay? Not, it, it's like, it doesn't mix. That's who they were. Kind of strange, isn't it? To think that the Old Testament says anyone involved with magic, anyone involved like this is banned from being around God's people. And yet, when God's son is born, he says, I want you there. I want you there. They probably were looking for God because years before, Daniel, you know Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fiery furnace. Years ago, they were in this region. That's where they lived. And they trained the other wise men and magicians and astrologers. They trained them. Who trained the next ones? Who trained the next ones? Who trained these guys who were now looking for Jesus? So as I'm looking at this, I'm wondering, God, why do you have people there that are forbidden? And yet your son is born. You specifically had them follow a star to the birth of your son, Lord. How come they're there? And I believe there's two reasons. I believe the first one is this that the birth of Jesus was for the entire world. The entire world. God was giving us a glimpse saying, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. That this is for everyone. This gift to the world, sending the Savior, is for everyone, not just the Jewish culture. Because Jesus was born to a Jewish family, but God was saying the Savior is for everyone. That's what I believe Simeon was really prophesying in Luke chapter 2. Simeon sees Jesus as a baby, and this is what he says. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Did you catch that? It's for the Gentiles. It was for everyone. And I believe they were there because God was saying, I am open to anyone following me. I think we sometimes as a church say, well, they don't look right. They don't act right. They don't smell right. They, they surely can't come to church. Why would I ever invite them? They don't fit the look. They don't fit the style. Right here tells you that God says everyone can fit the look and the style. You're welcome. And if you thought when you came here to church, you thought, well, I don't know if I'd be welcome here. I don't know if this is a church for me. I mean, I don't know all the rules. I don't know all the, the things that are going on. I don't go to church. I, I maybe don't look the same. Welcome. Welcome. We're glad you're here. In the same way that God invited them to hear the truth about Jesus, we invite you here and we say we would love to share with you the truth of Jesus Christ. We're glad you're here. Everyone is welcome to worship here and to learn the truth about Jesus Christ. Another reason why I believe that 
God let them be there is they were seeking him. Now, there's a term that churches use. They call people that don't know Jesus but want to come to church to check it out. They call them seekers. They say these people don't know Jesus, but they're looking for something, so they come to church, and they're not Christians, but they're seekers. These guys would be the first seekers. These would be the first ones. They're on the outside, and they're looking in, and yet while Herod is trying to kill baby Jesus, the religious people are asleep to what's going on. These guys are awake, and there's something within them that says, we want to look for the King of kings and Lord of lords. We're, we're seekers. And God says, I welcome seekers. I want you to be here. Now, when they heard God speaking through the star, they saw the star, uh, they listened to what God was saying, and they obeyed and went and did it. They reexamined. They looked at their scriptures over and over again, thinking, this is what it says. This is what it means. This must be what we're looking for. And if you're seeking, I just want to say, reexamine it again. Look again and see the truth that so many of us here today have discovered about Jesus Christ. Be a seeker that reexamines the truth. Another thing, they were led by God. They went to Jerusalem to look for the king of the Jews. Logical place to go. Jerusalem was where they were, where was the capital, it was the city of David. It's where the king would logically be. So they show up and they say, where is the king of kings? And they're looking for him in a logical place. And if you're here at church looking for peace, looking for hope, looking for the Savior, you're in the right place. It's logical to be here, and we're thrilled that you're here. Just a side note, they said, where is this king of the Jews? And you think about it, there was another time where they claimed Jesus was king of the Jews when they crucified him. They put the sign above his head and says, here is the king of the Jews. So when he was born, they said it, and when he died, they said it. We're looking for Jesus. They found Jesus, and they bowed and worshiped him. And I can just imagine, they're, they're showing up to worship Jesus, and there's a lot of them. There would be a big caravan of people and camels and, you know, this, a lot of commotion going on when they came to worship Jesus. Can you imagine the neighbors, what they were thinking? Like, all of a sudden, all these camels come in, and these rich guys start showing up in a very poor neighborhood, and they're wondering what's going on, and then the rich guys have gifts, and then they start bowing down before this little child. You can imagine what's going on here. And they went, and they bowed down to Jesus, even though when they found him, Here's a king that had no armies. He has no castle. He hasn't given any speeches. He really doesn't look that powerful. But I want to point out, the wise men looked beyond the simplicity and saw eternity. And you might be here at church and you're saying, it seems so simple. A baby born in a manger. And, and my friend has told me that if I ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins and I say a prayer and I mean it, that I believe that he died on the cross so I could be forgiven... I can spend eternal life with God and be forgiven? It doesn't make sense. Can I tell you something? Look past the simplicity and see the truth. Just like the wise men, look past the simplicity of this baby and they saw the truth. I'm asking you to do that today. Then the Bible says they gave their gifts. Matter of fact, it says they then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. And I want to let you know this. We always uh, receive an offering at Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and around this time of year because the very first time that Jesus uh, was born and, and they brought him gifts. 
And so we always have an offering because we see that it started out with an offering. I want to let you know that on Good Friday, we never have an offering. So if you're ever wondering, is there a service where the church doesn't do that? Good Friday. That's a day where we just reflect on the fact that Jesus became the sacrifice. But with Christmas, I think it's very appropriate. Here we've got them bringing gold, which said, you're the king, because that was the currency of the king. We have them bringing frankincense, which is saying, you're the priest, because frankincense was burned in the temple. It was burned by his priest, uh, saying, you are God. And then they have them bringing myrrh, which is really a perfume that's used in burials. When Jesus actually died and was buried in the tomb, they anointed his body with myrrh. And so this was like a prophetic glimpse that he's going to be the savior. He's going to be the sacrifice. Then the Bible says that they went home different. The Bible says, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, there's two reasons why they did that. Number one, they didn't want to be caught by Herod, and God told them, don't talk to Herod. Herod's not going to find this baby. So that's the first reason. But I believe the second reason is this. They were changed. And when you're changed, you go home different than you came. Now, I can support this from Scripture, from Jewish culture. You probably don't know this. I didn't know this until I started making trips to Israel. The temple where people would go to worship had a main door that was the entrance door, okay? And the main entrance door is where everyone would enter the temple to worship God. And when they went in to worship him, to signify that they were changed, that something happened, they would go out a different door. It was saying that I went in one way, but because I came into the presence of God, I'm going home a changed person. I'm going home a different route. And so when Matthew wrote this, I'm sure that the people reading it were like, oh, this is amazing. Guys that shouldn't have been there were invited there. They bowed down before the Savior. They gave him the gifts, and their lives were changed. And I know this church is full of people that came in one way and left a different way. There was a day that you came in as a seeker, or maybe it wasn't in a church, it was in a restaurant or a home or somewhere, and somebody shared something with you, and you came into that conversation one way, but you left changed. And I believe these guys left changed, and I believe God is still changing people today. I believe if you came here one way and you were distanced distant from God, he says, I'm giving you the opportunity to go home differently, to go home changed. Last thing I'll share with you. It's interesting to me when I was reading this text that I realized God used a star to reach these wise men. And I thought about it, Lord, it's pretty cool that you would use a star. And it's almost as if God will use anything he can to reach you. I mean, think about it. Some of you might have a conversation. Some of you, I've talked to people that have said, I watched television one day, and something within me told me to go to church. I'm like, wow, that's weird. God used TV. All right. Had other people say, I was listening to a song on the radio, and I realized I didn't have peace, and I was looking for peace. I came to the church. Another person said, I found a flyer in a bathroom that was laying there. I picked it up. I came to church. God will use whatever he can to get your attention. And God used a star for them, and he'll use whatever he can for you. Jeremiah 29, 13, 14 says, you will seek me. And find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I believe many of you have had an experience because you're seeking God and you're looking for him and you're here today. 
and you were looking for a star or something amazing, and you know what God sent you? A relative. <laughs> yeah, that's your star. You're like, I was looking for something a little more dramatic, Lord. And he's like, I'm using what you understand. I'm using your mom and dad. I'm using your spouse. I'm using your kids. And they're pointing you to Jesus. And I believe that's your star. I believe that's your experience. Somebody that loved God so much to get you here. Somebody that loved God so much that they said, come and worship the Savior with me. And I believe that just like the wise men were changed, I believe God could change you. He could have you leave a different way than the way you came in. So I'm asking if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment. As we close out this moment here of this message, in just a minute, I'm going to give people an opportunity to leave changed from the way they came in. In just a minute, I'm going to ask people that want to seek God, that want to pray a prayer with me, to raise their hand. Just a minute, but let's just hold for just a moment. This is your moment. God has spoken to you. He brought you here for a reason. It wasn't by chance. And now, you can look at that moment and say, God, I want to be changed. And that's what I'm asking that you do. You'd say, God, I see the simplicity of it, and I see the eternity of it, and I desire to be changed. And if that's you, and you're saying, Pastor Rob, would you include me in a prayer? I won't embarrass you, but I will ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. And I will pray for you, and you will come into agreement with that prayer. And the Bible says you'll be forgiven of your sins. But if that's you, all across this place, with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, would you have the courage to raise your hand and look up at me so I could acknowledge that right now? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yes, I see your hand and others raising their hand. Yes, yes, yes. They're going up. Raise it high. Hands going up all over the place. Yes, I see you. some of you are even waving your hands and you're saying, I'm in, I'm in. I'm going home changed, different than the way I came in. Yes, I see the hands all across this place. You can go ahead and put them down and I want to pray a prayer over you. I want to pray a prayer, and I want you to pray inside and agree with this prayer, speaking to God, saying, God, I desire this. I desire to be forgiven. I desire what this prayer says. I'm believing that. So, Lord, right now, I pray for those that raise their hand, and I pray that right now in their heart, they would come into agreement with this. Even now, they'd nod their head or just say under their breath, I, I agree with this, God. They're asking for forgiveness. They're, they're recognizing the simplicity of a Savior sent to this earth so that they could be forgiven. And I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that you would show them now that as they call upon your name, they will be saved. They'll be forgiven. Everything they've done wrong has been wiped away. They believe on you, Lord Jesus, that you were born on this earth, that you lived the perfect life, you died on the cross, that you rose again, and now you offer them forgiveness. And so I pray they just receive it right now, Lord Jesus. Thank you for that. Now they're pledging right now, Lord, to live the rest of their life for you, following you because you will be their Lord and Savior. They're going to leave here different than the way they came in. And I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that they would be changed forever because of the prayer they just agreed with. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Can we give a hand clap? to all that made that decision.